We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Well, good morning. If you're just joining us or maybe you're here for the very first time, welcome. My name is Matthew. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to open up some scripture and to dive in. We've been in a collection of sermons entitled The Practice of Obedience. Somebody say obedience. Now, this idea of loving God through our obedience is indeed a practice. It's not perfection. It is absolutely not a performance for approval. It is a daily decision, moment by moment choice to put into practice that which we believe. Our, our, our society, including many in church world, have yet to really grab a hold or understand that this idea of the practice of obedience is radically countercultural to the world that we live in today. We have, in our world today, replaced obedience to God with an allegiance and a reliance on ourself as our own God. We easily go to, I wonder what I think about X, Y, or Z, instead of our first reaction, our first response being, I wonder what God says or wants me to do or think about X, Y, and Z. We give God our affinity a couple Sundays a week or a month maybe, but we have yet to, we, we, we stop short of really giving him our full allegiance. We love the idea that God has rescued us and we allow God to rescue us from hell, but we never move forward allowing him to reorder our lives so that he really becomes our Lord and our Savior. We often want to obey though. We want to obey. We want to move forward. We, we want to give God our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength we want to do it. We want to do what's right. We want to obey. We want to live in God-honoring ways, but we feel powerless to do it. And this is why we're talking. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we started it and kind of going to talk for the next three weeks, this Sunday and two more, about the Holy Spirit and how he wants to give you a spirit empowerment in order for you to help you and me obey. We want to talk this week kind of about the person of the Spirit. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the Pentecost experience of the Spirit. And, and then in the third week, I'm going to talk to you about kind of the purpose and the purity that comes with the Spirit. And we're going to look at what Scripture has to say. Now, 
here in two weeks, I want to give you a heads up. At the end of this month, we're going to do something kind of for the first time called Sunday Night Live. And uh, we're going to do a live kind of roundtable recap of this kind of collection, the practice of obedience, and take Q&A from you, either from pre-submitted questions or live in the chat questions that you would have. And so here's what I want you to do over the next few weeks and kind of moving forward in all of the Sundays that you either attend in person or are online. I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to take some notes. Write down what it is that you sense God speaking to you personally, right? Write them down. And as you're taking notes, there may be some things that you review during the week or perhaps here in this moment that questions come to your mind. I, I want to know more about that. I wish pastor would have taken more time about that. I, I, wanna, I have a question about this. Does this mean this? And I want you to not only write down your questions, but I want you to send us those questions so that when we get to this Sunday night live broadcast, we can share and answer your questions because when you ask questions, you begin to lean in and gain understanding when those questions get answered. And when you have understanding and knowledge, your faith actually begins to grow. And when your faith begins to grow, you begin to move forward as you practice what God has said. And that's what we all want to do. We want our faith to grow. And so Sunday Night Live is going to come at the end of each of our sermon collections or once a month kind of in that rhythm. And so we're going to do more of these throughout the year, but we want you to get in the, wait for it, practice of taking notes and sending in your questions. You might be like, where do I send in the questions? Well, on our central hub, there's a spot that says sermon notes. You can click right on those sermon notes, not only follow along today, but also at the bottom, there's a spot where you can really quick submit a question right from your smart device, your computer, or your, your tablet this morning. I want to talk to you, though, today about this practice of obedience and how spirit-empowered obedience requires a relationship with Holy Spirit. It requires a relationship. If we're going to practice obedience, if we're going to live counterculturally, if we're going to live with our heart fully aligned and complete allegiance to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus our Messiah, God the Father, it's going to require a relationship with Holy Spirit. Now, when I talk about Holy Spirit, there are really three uh, typical uh, groups of people. And this is likely true of, of in this room. I, I, would, I would venture to say that at least a few in each of these categories. Number one, there are people as it relates to the subject of the Holy Spirit that are a little ignorant. Now, that's not a negative term. That's just a, a term that means you don't have, un, you are uneducated and unaware. It is a new subject matter to you. Like you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and old school people talk about the Holy Ghost and you're like, I know Casper, but I don't know nobody Holy Ghost. Like, like it's completely new to you. And this is a great time to be leaning in to see what scripture teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit. There are people who are incorrect in their view and understanding of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there is a lot of people who have been mistaught, who have been taught incorrectly as it relates to the Holy Spirit. There are people in this room who have been, who, whose understanding of the Holy Spirit is incomplete. 
In other words, you understand a little bit about the Holy Spirit and what you know is true, but you don't realize that there is more to understand about the person, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit than what you currently know. You've only been partially taught a little bit about what the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. Wherever you find yourself, can I just say you are amongst friends today? You are in the right place today. And I believe that God, through the word, Jesus, and the scriptures, and the impartation of the spirit, he wants to speak to you. Now, there is a fourth group of people, and these are my people. These are the people who know what the scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. You know what the power looks like. You have received the impartation of the fullness of the Spirit. And you're like, yes, I can't wait to get into this because you love this. And you are here and listening. And you may not hear anything new over the next few weeks. You likely will, though, hear some new things over the next few weeks. But you are here not to just uh, sit back and be like, oh, I already know this. No, you are here to better understand and greater solidify this understanding so that you too can help impart it in discipleship to somebody else who you are in relationship who doesn't yet know these things. So we all here today are coming from different vantage points to listen, to learn, and to lean in. Friends, uh, I think for many of us, the reason for misteaching or incorrect teaching is, is likely because of uh, for the Holy Spirit, many of us grew up hearing about the Holy Spirit, and it was always caricatures of the Holy Spirit, like just kind of wild extremes, one end or the other. Like there were groups of people who talked about the Holy Spirit, and you looked at them, and they didn't wear any makeup at all. And you were like, oh, oh, okay, um, you're not allowed to wear makeup? Like sometimes, like I don't think it's a bad thing, but like the Holy Spirit like wants you to not, and they talked about the Holy Spirit all the time, and you were not allowed to wear makeup. Then there was another group of people who talked about the Holy Spirit all the time, and they wore way too much makeup, right? Like the more hairspray they used, it was like higher the hair, the more Holy Spirit you got. Like I don't, I don't know if like the extra hairspray was to keep it up or to catch fire when the Spirit fell. I'm not, not really sure. And they're caricatures, right? There were groups of people who talk about the Holy Spirit and they love to bring snakes into the sanctuary. Then there were other groups of people. They didn't bring snakes into the sanctuaries. They just were like always running in circles and had random instruments and people were always shouting and interrupting and you're like, I don't think I want to talk to the Holy Spirit anymore. I don't know what that was happening in their communion, but I don't want any of that communion, right? Like, Caricature is just extremes. On one hand, you knew people and they talked about the Holy Spirit and they seemed super legalistic. And then on the other hand, you had people who talked about the Holy Spirit and power and gifts and tongues and healing, but they didn't have any of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. You know, like, this doesn't seem right. Friends, I don't know what kind of perspective you have or where you came from. Can I just tell you, over the next few weeks, I want to introduce you to one of my absolute best friends, the person of the Holy Spirit. He is one of my absolute best friends. And when the Spirit 
begins to move in your life, when you begin to develop a relationship with Holy Spirit, you will begin to discover a new empowerment to obey and live out the ways of Jesus and walk in the ways of Jesus and to move in and follow the great commission that Jesus gave you and me to obey. Jesus has given you and he's given me, he's given the church at large, at global, he's given us a commission and a commandment to obey. We see in Mark chapter 16, this uh, one of the, the ways in which he commissioned his disciples. Mark 16, verse 15 through 20, I, I want you to notice how the spirit is at work just in this um, command Jesus gave us to obey. Mark 16, 15, he says, he said to them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. What? They will speak in new tongues. Huh? They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt, it will not hurt them. Hold up one minute, Jesus. And they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied the preaching of the word. Friends, Healing, as Jesus said would be of his disciples, was a part of Jesus' ministry, was it not? Casting out the demons was a part of Jesus' ministry on the earth. All of these things. In fact, tongues is evident throughout the New Testament. Now, we're going to talk more about this tongues thing next week. What do I believe the Bible teaches? What do I believe the Bible doesn't teach? We're going to expound on some of these things in the coming weeks. But can we just agree that when you read the New Testament, specifically through the Gospel of Acts, it was evident and it was a normal evidence of the Spirit at work in somebody's life. And then you get to this idea like snakes and poison. Hold on, what in the world is that all about? Well, there are really two ways you could look at that. Two appropriate ways, I believe, that you could look at this and interpret what is happening. Number one, uh, first, uh, an understanding. Jesus wasn't commanding them to play with snakes and drink poison for fun. That's <laughs> not a part of it. There's no, like, poisoned Kool-Aid necessary to follow Jesus. There are two ways to really look at this that scholars look at it. Number one, you could look at it metaphorically, where Jesus often and Scripture often will use scorpions, snakes, birds of the air, and wild beasts as metaphors for demonic activity. And so if you look at it from a metaphorical standpoint, Jesus is saying, if there's demonic activity, it's not going to be a problem for you. All of which we know to be true as followers of Jesus. 
from other places in Scripture. Or you could look at it a little more literally, that if you literally had to pick up a snake and you literally had to drink poison, it would not harm you. What do we know? In that time and period, if you were a slave or often a Christian and then captive for the weekend MMA entertainment... They would bring Christians into arenas and into other places and make them do certain things that were incredibly dangerous and deathly for their own entertainment. And Jesus was simply saying, listen, if you come across persecution to the point where somebody makes you do something for your faith, I'm going to protect you. All of which is good news for me and you. It was good news for the early church. He wasn't saying, go play with snakes, and if you don't get bit, then you know you've got the Spirit of God in you. That's an incorrect way of looking at that. The reality is, Jesus has still given you and I the commandment to go. He is still wanting you to go in a way that when you show up, the power of God shows up with you and there is visible understanding and reality not only of your life being transformed, somebody else's life being transformed. Friends, I believe Jesus still heals. I believe that Jesus still has authority over all of the demonic. I believe that when you walk in the fullness and the power of the Spirit, there are some things that God wants to do in other people's lives through you that allow the gospel to be spread, good news to be occurred, and people to meet Jesus as their Lord. I believe it still happens to this day. There was no expiration date on this command. Do we still need to make disciples? Yes. Do we still need the Spirit at work in our lives to obey that command? Yes, we do. If we're going to walk out of Spirit-empowered obedience and we're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to have a relationship with Holy Spirit, uh, let me introduce you to him a little bit today. Number one, he is a person. Not in a body, but he has a personhood. He's not an object. He's not an it. It's not an abstract language. It's a person. Look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. This is kind of our main text today. John 14, starting in verse 15 through 18. Listen, listen to the words of Jesus here. If you love me, keep my commands. That's why we're talking about the practice of obedience. Because we want the love of God that's in us to be evident as the way we live out from our lives. If you love me, keep my commands. And I, Jesus, the Son, will ask the Father, God in heaven, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth is his name. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Can we pause for a second? Did Jesus leave the earth and leave the disciples on the earth? Yes or yes? Okay, good. Just open book test. I want to give you the correct answer. The answer is yes, he did then why in the world is he saying, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, and I will come to you? But he didn't. He left. Because he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
in this verse, we see the person of the Holy Spirit. But not just the person of the Holy Spirit. We see what doctrine and theology teach us is the doctrine of the Trinity. This is Trinitarian language. This is the Godhead. The three in one. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ his Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. We just sang it. This I believe. It is three persons in one. And all three are mentioned in this one section of scripture. I, the Son, will ask the Father in heaven and he will give you the spirit of truth. Three in one, we have what's called a triune God or maybe you've heard the phrase Godhead, right? There are three in one. It's not one plus one plus one. No, because that would equal three. It's one times one times one that equals one. The creeds mention it. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, God is in existence with himself, the Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, perfect communion and unity. And they say, let us make mankind in our image. Let us. Who's us? It's just God there, isn't it? Yeah. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make humankind. Humankind, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Within you is the very likeness and similarity of God himself. We use illustrations like a rope to try to articulate this incredibly complex, huh, kind of theological truth. Like, I don't fully understand how the Trinity works. Can I just be honest? I don't really know. Like, I get it a little, but there's a lot of it I don't get. I think when we get to heaven, our first response will be, oh, gotcha. Like, I think we'll be saying, oh, a lot when we first get to eternity. Some of us might be saying, oh, no, I got it wrong. Like, I don't know. I, I just think that we'll be a little bit awestruck. But we try to use illustrations like a rope, right? Three different strands all weave together to make one thing a robe we we talk about human beings spirit soul body right like but then you even get a, another glimpse of it when you think about the universe itself comprised of time space and matter when we talk about the world the universe the system what are we talking about we're talking about all three but we're also talking about one and within those three you have time past, present, future. When you talk about time, you talk about all those things. When you talk about space, you're talking about length and height and breadth. It's all of these dimensions, three in one. When you talk about matter, you're looking at mass and energy and motion, all three but one at the same time. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit. To be worshipped equally as Father, Son, and Spirit. To be prayed to equally like Father, Son, and Spirit. To be welcomed into our lives and to develop a relationship with the person of the Spirit is to develop a relationship with God himself. Develop a relationship with Jesus. 
himself because he is a person. He is not an it. Not only is the Holy Spirit a person, number two, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. The Holy Spirit, he is a gift. Anybody like receiving gifts? Some of you are lying because you don't even want to participate. You think it's a trick question. No trick question. How many of you like receiving gifts? Come on, let me see your hands. That's what I'm talking about. I knew, I knew there were more of you that were like me out there. Love getting a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Let's go back to our text in John 14, starting in verse 16. And I, Jesus the Son, will ask the Father, God in heaven, and he will give Gifts are something that you give. He's a gift. He's a gift. And there are so many people who don't understand what to do with this gift that they have entirely rejected a third part of the Trinity. In fact, for many people, we replaced the Holy Spirit as a part of the Trinity because we don't really get it. We don't understand it. We're not sure that it's a gift. We instead elevate the Holy Scriptures to the place that the Holy Spirit should be in. And we rely more on the Holy Scriptures than we rely on the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who's the third part of the Trinity, and he is a gift to you and me. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Jesus, on one occasion, while he was eating with his Followers, he gave them this command. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem, but wait for the strange uncle. No. Wait for the one thing that nobody really understands, can't really grasp, but you'll get it when it gets to heaven thing. No. Wait for the holy scriptures to arrive out of the sky. No. Wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about jesus says for john baptized with water do we believe in water baptism yes or yes see another not a trick question want you to get it right do we believe in water baptism yes or yes yes but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit do we believe in the holy spirit yes or yes yes he's a gift He's a gift. Not only, he's a gift in such a way that when he shows up, it's not just his person that is the gift, but there are other benefits that he brings into your life that you need to live a godly life, like the fruit of the Spirit is a gift that the Holy Spirit produces in your life. You can find those in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit is a gift that brings power into your life. You see that in Acts chapter 1 and all through the Gospels, or the, the book of Acts and on, on down the line. You can see it in the life of Jesus himself. When the Spirit came down and remained in and with Jesus, like he promised his disciples that the Spirit would come and remain on and with you as a disciple, Jesus did the works of miracles through the gift that is the Holy Spirit at work in his life. Blowing some of your minds right now. It's like, psh, hold up. Power, Acts 1 8. 
Not only does the Holy Spirit show up and as a gift, he bring with him other things like fruit and power, but he brings gifts. There are nine of them specifically listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This summer, every summer, we do kind of a, a collective study together as a body, kind of diving in deep on some subject matter. We're going to dive into the book of 1 Corinthians this summer. And I'm going to take extensive time to teach you 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Some of you are like, oh, that means great. I don't know what that means. Cool. Show up, you'll find out, you'll love it. Some of you are like, oh, I know what he means. And we're going to start talking about some stuff. Yep, we sure are. It's fantastic. I can't wait. Nine gifts of the Spirit. That any believer who has received the fullness of the Spirit at any moment in time, the Spirit can activate in your life to help you accomplish ministry for the common good of humanity. Some of you are like, uh-uh, it's scriptural. Wait till the summer and I'll prove it to you. He brings gifts, his own gifts. He is a gift and he brings extra gifts. How cool is that? And then finally, another gift that comes along with the Holy Spirit is God's love. Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God which has been poured out in your heart through and by the Holy Spirit. When you, I'm going to say it kind of strong, if you are someone who has rejected the Holy Spirit's work, you are in essence rejecting the source, the cup from which the love of God is supposed to be poured out in your own heart. And many of us struggle with receiving and understanding the love of God because we've rejected the source of the person who is meant to also bring it into our lives in a full way. This is why you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is a person. Oh, he's a gift. And then thirdly, he's the helper that you need. He is the helper that Man, I need, every day, I need the Holy Spirit. Every day, I lean on my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every day, you can lean on the relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the helper that you need in your life. John 14, again, go back to our main text. 14 through, uh, chapter 14, John 14, through verse 15 and 17. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help. Somebody say another. Can I have another, please? I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth is his name. He's a gift he wants to give you. He is a person, and he is the helper that you need. This, this language, another, is a really unique phrase in the original language. This phrase, helper, is really, really unique. This word, another, means one that is the same and equal, but different. It's the same, but it's different. It's the same, three but different, or it's the same, one, but different, three. 
He's the same, but equal, fully authoritative, fully God, deserving of equal value, honor, respect, position, but different because the assignment might look a little different. Some different characteristics to the Son than the Father, than the Spirit. Anytime the Bible uses the specific word helper, it's the, the, the Greek word parakletos. And all throughout Scripture, the only time that it's used is when referring to God, except one other time. Only one other time this word is used in the Bible to not talk about the Holy Spirit and God. You know when it is? When describing the equality and the difference between men and women. Another helper suitable for Adam. Equal, the same. Men and women, the same. Same creative value. The same need in the earth. But different. Why? Because there are some differences that God created between men and women. They'd be different. And they need to be celebrated and kept as defined as such. Friends, but still the same. L let me think about this for a second. Is God limited in his authority? Is there a power play or a struggle for dominance among the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit? No. Nor should there be a dominance or a power play among men and women. This understanding of the original language and what God was articulating when he created Adam and Eve. And this understanding of what the Holy Spirit's prominence and gift and helper we need in our lives is one of the many reasons why I and the elders here at Faith Church fully affirm and believe in women who can preach, who can operate in ministry, and who indeed can carry a calling on their life in pastoral ministry. One of many reasons. But friends, we know in life that men, the standard we're called to as husbands in our relationships is that of Jesus. Ephesians is clear on that. I don't think it's an accident that scripture uses the same language to talk about the Holy Spirit as he would use to talk about the role of women in the family marriage and society a standard to operate in Lincoln all both equally submitted to God the Father and that's when life works best friends the Holy Spirit is the helper the advocate the counselor that you need why because your assignment on this earth is beyond what you can do on your own to make disciples, to help other people discover Jesus, you need some help in doing that. You need some help in living a way that honors God, that pleases God. You need the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, don't miss this, into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet 
to come and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you and all that belongs to the father is mine that is why i said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you you need the holy spirit i need the holy spirit you need a relationship with holy spirit in your life I need relationship with Holy Spirit in my life. He is a person. He is a gift. And he is the helper that you've been missing. That you desperately need and I desperately need. Parents, you need the Holy Spirit to parent in a God-honoring way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows the design and the makeup of your children better than you do. And when you feel stumped on how to train them in the right way, the Holy Spirit can give you insight on how to do that. Businessmen, you need the Holy Spirit in your life to know whether this is a, a contract you need to sign or a partnership you need to run from. You're not smart enough to always figure that out until it's too late. But the Holy Spirit can show you some stuff that you don't even know about yet. I need the Holy Spirit at work in my life. It's not some wild and wacky and always like crazy thought process. It's really practical. I need him to guide me and I need him to speak truth to me. A couple weeks ago, the local chamber, I'll tell you these two stories and then we'll take communion together. The local chamber uh, that as a church we're a part of, it's one of the ways as a church we feel like we can support our local community to, to, to add value to what's going on. So we're part of the local chamber here. And they put on an event at the end of each year where it's a big kind of like gala type event, award ceremony, huge celebration, great meal, fun night. And I saw the advertisements for it and I was like, oh man, I really, really want to go. I wonder if we should maybe buy a table. And then just as fast as I thought, oh, maybe we should buy a table. I'm telling you it was a thought, but I know it was a thought from the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. And then the very next thought was, someone's going to invite you. They're going to have a ticket come open. They're going to invite you, so you'll get to go. And then I thought, well, I wonder who that would be, Lord. And he says, Greg Motley's going to do it. Friends, we were two days before the event. I had totally forgotten about this interchange with the Holy Spirit. Totally forgot about this, how he was guiding me. I get a text from Greg. Hey, somebody on our staff who also happens to attend our church who will remain, remain nameless, Ethan, got in quarantine for like the 17th time and was unable to attend the event. He said, hey, would anybody on the staff like to take his spot? I didn't make the, guys, I can't make this up. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was getting ready to walk into my backyard to sit and to pray and to start preparing messages for uh, two weeks ago. Had a couple weeks, I had been off and I was walking down my deck steps to the swing and I was going to sit down and here's the thought that came to me. I know you think you're going to hear from God today. You're not going to hear anything. You're used up. You got, you got no good messages left. You think that you're going to start writing a message. You, you got nothing. You got nothing today. Friends, was that the voice of the Spirit? Not at all. But right after that, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And I began to crash the chatterbox in my mind. See, the enemy wants to lead you in some ways 
but the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in the truth. Some of you are dealing with thoughts that are continually running rampant in your mind, and it will be the Holy Spirit that you begin to get to know that will help you discern and shut down the lies that have been whispered to you. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us into all truth. He's the helper that you need. He is a gift to you and me and to the body of Christ. And he is a person. He is God. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with each of us. And that relationship begins because the first thing the Holy Spirit does is introduce us to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Would you stand with me as we come to the Lord's table together to focus here these last few minutes squarely on the person of Jesus who died on a cross, whose body was beaten, and whose blood was poured out. This is why we take bread and why we take juice. Now, if you have the elements, go ahead and open those elements up. Get the bread out, get the juice open. No awkward sounds. It's all right. Everybody does the same time. We just embrace the moment. We'll all partake here in a second. Every week we come to the Lord's table because we want to make sure we know that our lives are centered on Jesus. Do you want to know who it is that draws you to Jesus in the first place? Do you want to know who it is that reminds you of why you need Jesus? you want to know who it is who reminds you that you've been forgiven and have access to talk to God directly? you want to know how that happens? It's through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. John 16, verses 6 through 11. Listen to these words as we prepare our hearts. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things to you, Jesus said. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, oh, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me. And they need to be convinced that sin separates them from me. That's what he's saying. And it's the Holy Spirit who convicts our hearts and says your sin is separating you from a rich relationship with Jesus. He's, he's gonna convince you about sin because people don't believe in me. He's gonna convince you about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and he is helping through the Holy Spirit to convince you that Jesus' righteousness that allows him to sit next to God is a righteousness that has been given to you as a son and a daughter so that you can come and talk to God yourself as well. He's trying to convince you that you're righteous through Jesus. You're not some filthy, ragged, wretched person. If you're a son or a daughter, you're righteous. He's trying, Holy Spirit's trying to convince you of that. Oh, and then the third thing, and about judgment, because the prince of this world, who is that? Satan himself, now will stand condemned and judged forever. That's good news. Friends, it's the Holy Spirit who wants to convince you. If you feel separated from God, it's because you need to repent. There's some sin that's causing 
the richness of your relationship to be drained. You don't need to feel. If you've received forgiveness, you need to know you're righteous and you can talk to God. You have authority. You have boldness. Go to God and talk to him. Develop the friendship. Oh, don't worry about the enemy. He gonna get his. And that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's wanting to point you to Jesus so that you can have a relationship with him and I can have a relationship with him. Let's close our eyes and take just a moment. Here in this stillness and the quiet in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? What is it you want us to do in response to this message, God? Would you speak to our hearts today? gathered in that last meal, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he says, this represents my body, which is broken for you, every time you eat this bread, do it, remembering me, let's remember the Lord's body together, then he took a cup, lifted it up towards heaven, blessed it, and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new relationship, a new way forward of relating with humanity. Every time you drink this, do it remembering me that your sins are forgiven. Let's remember to together. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless your people today. Help us to take a step forward this week. Help us to each day wake up and simply to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to say to me today? Would you help us, God, to practice a relationship with you? Holy Spirit, would you continue to show us truth and to guide us this week? We yield our lives into your hands, and we say, Holy Spirit, we want to get to know you better. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. Would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Would you lift your countenance towards them and give them peace? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, friends and family. I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.